Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, boils and ghouls, all you Talking Terror fans, ladies and germs, across the country, across the world. It is time for Talking Terror once more. We are back with the Med Monkey Sick this week, going all the way back to the Silver Age, 1935, for Mad Love, directed by Carl Frund, which we're going to be talking about later on in the show. But first, ladies and germs, returning back from a two-week hiatus, maybe even longer, but I think it was two weeks. The bold, the beautiful, the solo one himself, the ghoul geek Keith. Indeed, it was only two weeks. Two weeks in the in the torturous heat of this place. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to Peter Lorre. Wow. Crazy. It's like he's back from the dead. And you are back from the dead, Ghoul. So how are you? Jim here. Jim here, my lovely. I am back and it feels great. It's finally cooling down in this hell pit that is New Jersey. (laughs) Hell's armpit. (laughs) I know, finally. But you are back, and we are glad to have you back, sir. My Galatia. I would would say more things, except I've got a bunch of distractions roaming around in the shape of like a four-foot-something kid looking at me right now. That's good. We should keep the side. Yeah, I have to. I have to keep my mouth. You know, I got to watch my mouth, my language. Yeah, I don't want to be too salty. Got to keep it PG for the kids. No, always caramel, never salty. That's right. Well, I mean, the monkey and I can say whatever the fuck we want. So we don't have any kids staring at us. At least I don't. So hey, say whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> but speaking of the mad monkey, he is here as well. Welcome back, straight out of the straitjacket, straight out of the cell. Tapioca putting in hand, the Mad Monkey. Hey there, Fright fans. This is Talking Terror's Monkey in a Straitjacket and your horror co-host, the Mad Monkey. As always, broadcasting to you from my luxurious padded studio in, well, you know where. But this week, we have our ghoul back. Where? Oh, he's been able to, he, he's been able to take some time off from being a real-life superhero in this blistering summer heat. He, he's been out there restoring comfort and ease to families by bringing air conditioning and coolness back to them one house at a time. Uh, seriously, ghoul, thank you so much for your work. Welcome back. We missed you. We love you. You know, keep up the hard work out there, man. Rub that dick. Listen, man. Okay, if you're talking about fixing equipment, for for home warranty people that are completely 100% like just just miserable and mean and want everything for free if that's what being a superhero is I totally fucking want nothing doing with it man they can all eat a dick <laughs> now you're going to have someone in the yeah. background yelling eat a dick eat a dick no <laughs> no the the, mid- the midget has, has has run off so for now, I'm now f- free to. Well, I guess maybe not because I just heard a giggle over there somewhere. Oh, that's that's the ghoul girl giggling. So, 
She's just thinking about lunch. <laughs> now, I, I believe we are also joined by another host. Uh, we, I have another, There's another one. Uh, host on there. We have a four Who host? could it be? I've got someone else here online. Well, who do we have? Hello there. Uh, 415-870-3167. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, don't give the whole, the whole number. I said, <laughs> yeah, I said the whole thing. What's the matter with you? Whoa. I can't believe you just announced my phone number on the air to all of the people that are listening to us right now. I'm shocked about them. I'm sorry, this Everybody is my first practice driving the dash. I'm sorry, I really am. This is what happens when the monkey gets to play host. We get fucked up in the first minute. Everybody call the doctor and tell him the lizards are watching. <laughs> Dude, thankfully, so I re- I... thankfully, if someone tries to call this number, it's just like a Google voice phone number that means nothing to me. Uh, oh, there you go. So, so there. But you're, you should be feeling lucky and thankful that this was not my personal number because we would have a, a serious issue here if it was. <laughs> well, by, serious issue, I love you. By, by serious issue, I mean I'm totally kidding. I, I don't fucking yeah. Go ahead and spank the monkey if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thanks. You take, you take, you take <laughs> this one for me, King. Oh, I enjoy it, so it's fine. I, I will take a couple extra slaps just for you. I will do that, sir. Welcome back to the show, Doc. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, you know, as we always do at the beginning of the show, we have the horror news segment before we kick off the movies. Uh, Dave, I know that you were gone uh, last week, so I wanted to see if you had anything to talk about before I get into some of my talking points. Uh, yeah, can, do you have a brief, uh, very brief overview of what you might have talked about uh, last week so I don't start uh, talking what is in about things that have already been discussed? <laughs> Uh, well, we covered oh. uh, Big Trouble in Little China turning 32. Uh, wow. What else did we talk about, Monkey? We, we talked about the Monster Squad documentary that was being made. Um, let's see here. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a couple of things in horror news, but I can't, I can't remember all of them. Sorry. But there wasn't anything of really yeah, big um, importance because I wanted to hold off on any kind of big yeah. stuff until we're all together. Yeah, Monster, so. Squad, Monster Squad documentary, Wolfman's Got Nards. That's some exciting stuff. I watched the trailer for it. That looks like a lot of fun. And I just happened to notice uh, in at the beginning of July, even though I have it on DVD, the Monster Squad uh, hit Amazon Prime uh, video if you're a Prime member to watch. Uh, and I watched the Monster Squad last week for the first time in a very long time. And it was just a, just a joyful experience to, to revisit that one for the first time in a while. So I'm glad you guys talked about yeah. that documentary. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we, when we get the opportunity to see it. But the first thing I wanted to bring up, and I did post a picture of this uh, several days ago on our Instagram account, uh, the poster uh, for 2019's Glass, uh, M. Night Shyamalan has released the poster, um, oh. which if you guys did not get a chance to see it, uh, what you have is each of the three characters sitting in their chairs in what appears to be a hospital, and then mm-hmm. in the reflection on the floor in front of them, you see their superhero alter egos, egos because and it, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool image, because uh, from what the early talk is, is that the three characters are going to be in some type of institution where they're being treated as people that are convinced that they're superheroes. So the poster image, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, is is pretty cool, and 
this is one that I am looking forward to tremendously, so I was excited to see the poster release. Yeah, uh, I did see it, uh, but it kind of makes me wonder where they're going to be putting this movie Glass, because as a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen Split, and I say spoiler because it is, uh, with the Bruce Campbell, uh, not Bruce Campbell, the Bruce Willis cameo at the end of the film, he's in a diner drinking coffee, looking at the news report about uh, the uh, main character of Split. So I kind of wonder why yeah. he's in this kind of uh, mental hospital kind of situation in the poster with the other two characters. Kind of interesting. The official, the official, official synopsis reads as this, quote, Following the conclusion of Split, Glass finds Dunn pursuing Crumb's superhuman figure of the Beast in a series of escalating encounters while the shadowy presence of Price emerges as an orchestrator who holds secrets critical to both men, end quote. Mm. Could be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. I told you. I was looking forward to seeing the follow-up to Unbreakable. So what do you think, Cool? you think it's going to be a, a hit or a miss? Well, I mean, you know, going from the picture, obviously it's it's just given us the reflections of each of the characters. I mean, if you look at Dunn, he's chained as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this could possibly be something along the lines of where they're all put into a facility of some sort. You know, maybe there's a roundup of these specific types of individuals. Maybe, who knows, maybe M. Night is going to pull a twist and, you know, the world is going to pull a twist. Right? I mean, holy shit, we haven't seen that in fucking, you know, a billion years. Um, But maybe it's going to be a matter of where the reality is that they're all mentally fucking challenged in some way, you know, and maybe that that's the real psychosis here. Um, I don't know. It it should be interesting. You know, I'm I'm currently watching a show on FX and, uh, you know, it's one of those where I'm I'm not quite sure if I enjoy it the way I do due to hallucinatory uh, things that I've imbibed over the years or if it's just really good at simulating said event. But uh, if you ever get a chance to watch the show Legion, um, every episode is like a trip all in itself. It is fucking phenomenal, and portions of it do indeed take place in a mental hospital, and you do wonder the whole time if anybody is sane. Hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that one out. So I'll have to check out. I watched the first couple episodes when it first premiered, then I kind of fell off, but I heard nothing but good things. Yeah, you, you got to kind of just stick with it because, yeah, a lot of things don't make sense. Um I'd love to tell you that eventually they do, but the reality is it it doesn't, and it doesn't need to. You just enjoy the fucking, the ride that is that trip, man. Yeah, and that's the best way sometimes with these shows. Just enjoy the ride for what it is. You know, don't think too much into it. Just enjoy it for what it's worth. Uh, So what else do you have for us, Doc? Um, I know that, I don't know if I, I, I hope that I'm not, Stepping on anyone's news toes because I know that this was news brought toes. up on <laughs> our <laughs> brought up on our Facebook today. Well, uh, well, this was, he was masturbating. <laughs> 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 um, Frank's a beast. Frank's a beast. Uh, <laughs> I should get the beast up here, brother. <laughs> Have you seen my baseball? Um, this RoboCop thing. So is 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 Halloween? Is this the official launch now? 
where every property who's put out shitty ass fucking reboots and remakes is now going to go back and try to do direct sequels to original films? Is is that what is the next uh, evolution in in the the mining of existing properties? Because it was announced today that uh, Blomkamp uh, is going to direct a new RoboCop sequel that is a sequel to the original, not a sequel to the 2014 remake. So is this is this officially a and thing not now? a sequel to parts two or three from the original right. either? That's right. I mean, is that the new trend, guys? I mean, that's what I wonder because that's what I posted on the Facebook page. Is that the new trend where they're just going to say, "Yeah, you know what? There were sequels, but fuck it. <laughs> we're going to do a whole new thing. We're just going to retcon the first one, and that's it." Part two and three or whatever does not exist. Just enjoy this movie for what it is, a direct sequel to the original RoboCop. Monkey, what, what, what do you think? Jump? No, it's just an easy jump off point, man. It's like instead of trying to tack on to the, you know, the lore of what these movies have been, yeah, it's so much easier just to sit there and do this thing of we're just going to jump on and make a sequel right after the original. <laughs> Fuck all the other shit. You know, and me personally, while I find it fun, at the same time, some of these franchises, I have enjoyed the ride uh, of all the sequels. Yeah. You know, one of one of the things I feel with the RoboCop, because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the original RoboCop film, uh, the first one. Uh, and yeah. I, the, and, I'm, and, and as I've talked about at length, I am not a remake guy. I'm not, a re, I'm not into this whole remake thing. Very rarely is right. there one that connects with me. But I feel that RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3, especially the third one, started turning mm-hmm. into kids' movies when yeah. the original, how brutally violent and graphically violent uh, and, how, and how hard the violence was in the original movie, I think sometimes gets forgotten because there was even a RoboCop cartoon. Uh, yeah, so if And action making, figure line. Yeah, by making and the video a... Game. If you're, if you're going to go back to RoboCop and oh, yeah. make a sequel to the <laughs> are you going dark and hardcore violence? Or are you going to try to like make something PG-13 and appeal to all audiences? Because I feel well, like that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle because the first RoboCop is brutal. I would hope yeah. that the sequel, that, well, whatever it is that they're going to call this, I would hope that it is going well, to stay in the vein of the original film. RoboCop um, Returns. Yeah, now, yeah. I wouldn't go as far as saying that part two was kidified because, no. you know, if you really think about part two, <laughs> you had a drug dealing kid, you had all kinds of, cra- you know, all kinds of shit going on with that, you know, dealing with have, fucking... It didn't uh, have the level of graphic violence. The level of graphic they, violence and bloodshed was way, way down. They well, did cut know. that down, but you got to wonder how much of that had to do more with the MPAA than anything else, because they replaced a lot of that with really fucking bad language, and just <laughs> overall, just nasty shit, man, including that fucking drug that was involved in there, which obviously very much reflected nuke. a heroin type of deal. Yes, nuke. Um, you know, uh, I, for one, you know, my opinion on this whole thing... When you're looking at these, these franchises, you know, and yes, some of them we look at very fondly, whether it was because we were growing up with it or, or if it's just because some of them were good. The fact is a lot of the sequels that we got with these franchises were just studios trying to make money, hence why the quality of the film goes down over time. You know, you're I mean, taking it away from that hasn't changed at all. Uh, of course it hasn't, but what I'm saying is, though, is that, like, if we're looking at a franchise now that's 30-something years, somebody can do away with, you know, sequels that weren't good and say, hey, you know, 
what happened, you know, 30-odd years after the original film. We can do away with the crap and try to give us something more in, in, in tune with that original piece. Now, the only problem I do have with that is when they do away with sequels that were good. Let's take a mm-hmm. franchise like the Terminator franchise, where you have Terminator 1, Terminator 2, two fantastic films. Very different from yeah. one another, but fantastic films. You know, like, that's a franchise where if they're going to do something similar to this, I don't want to see them eliminate that second movie. You know, they could get rid of 3 and fucking Genesis and Salvation and all that bullshit. Um... You know, I mean, shit, I, I would love to see a, a true sequel to First Blood instead of all the fucking Rambo sequels that we got instead. No, but, no, no, no. Uh-oh, uh-oh. From me, this might be, when it comes to remakes, this might come as the craziest statement considering how legendary First Blood is. I couldn't disagree with you more. If there is ever a movie that deserves to have a true remake, it's the original First Blood only. Hmm. Only if they stick to the book. Because hmm. the book is an absolute masterwork. And one of the things that was completely changed is that, in, and, and Ghoul, I'm sure I've ranted about this to you at length before. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing about the book is that it's, it's pretty much equal time between John Rambo and Will Teasel. In fact, if I remember, it's been a few, I've read it many times, it's been a few years. But I'm pra- I'm, in fact, I'm pretty sure that each chapter goes back and forth between each of their perspectives. And it's not a matter of pure hatred for Rambo that Teasel uh, expresses in the film. Uh, it's more of a kind of more of an understanding because the fact that Teasel is a veteran of the Korean War is much more explored in the book. So you have a modern veteran of the Vietnam War against the veteran of the Korean War. And not like skills and who's a better soldier, but the philosophies of the different eras. Uh, the mm-hmm. book is much, much, much more of a true character study, and I truly feel that if you can erase that whole entire movie series and make a movie out of that book, that would be amazing. No. Yeah. That, I, uh, you know, again, if we're talking, yeah, if we want to do a full remake, yes. I was just talking about if they were to make it, because I know that, you know, Rambo 5's in the works, along with Indiana Jones 5 yeah. and, and all, all yeah. this other yeah. shit. You know, I... Uh, uh, again, at that point, you know, I, I would rather see a sequel true to the first movie in the film series because, again, I feel like the Rambo films, and this is something we've definitely spoke to, spoke about at length many a time. There's such a huge difference between First Blood and then Rambo. The character, everything just seems completely just everything off about the wall. It. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, it's one of those things where you kind of wonder if that's the right move to make, uh, just ignoring the other sequels. And like the Ghoul had said, some of these sequels are actually pretty good. Like RoboCop 2 is a highlight for me. Um, I prefer Terminator 1 over Terminator 2, but Terminator 2 is still a good follow-up. It's fantastic. But if you want to retcon these things and say, well, they just didn't happen, I think it's doing a disservice to how good of a quality film those sequels were. To say we're just ignoring them. You know, we're not going to include anything after RoboCop 1. We're just going to go right after RoboCop 1. You know, one of those things where I feel like that's a disservice to people that are such fans of it. No, no, I do agree. And I mean, again, the the other problem is then is though, you know, what's our alternative? If they do a remake of it, we'll complain. 
And yep. if they make a original product that has some kind of similarity to it, we'll just go, well, hey, man, that was just fucking RoboCop. You know, so uh, I guess in a lot of ways, these, these movie studios, these directors, they can't win. You know, there's, no, there's never going to be a way they can t- truly satisfy us as, as film people. Yes, they can. They yeah. can hire some fucking brilliant writers that create some original content that's not just mining something from our past and try to blow our minds again like we were blown when we saw that other stuff for the first time. But everything takes off of something, you know? Look at the shape of water, you know? That splash. You know, everything in some way, shape, or form originated somewhere. I mean, not to even bring it up this quick, but look at the film that we're covering today. You know, like, you could sit there and say, like, this, the, the story that the hands of Orlock or Orlack, whatever the fuck his name was. I mean, you can't tell me that didn't inspire Idle Hands. That didn't inspire fucking <laughs> Sam Raimi and... with the Evil Dead. You know, like all of these things, you know, they they all came from something. They all generated off of something, whether it was literature or if it was another movie or if it was a fucking uh, a picture hanging in, a, in an art house somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that you nailed it right on the head, Google, with that whole thing. It's just that I think that fans are never going to be satisfied. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But it, it all comes down to the quality, just like the doc had said. It comes down to the writing. It comes down to the film crew. It comes down to the passion of the actors that are behind it. I think that's what's going to make a good movie. And I'm excited for RoboCop Returns because I'm a fan of the series. So, yeah, you know, even though they're only going to be going after part one, I can't wait to see what they come up with. I think it'll be fun to have RoboCop back. The yeah, true and RoboCop, I, I, the 2014 RoboCop. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about it too, but like the doc, I really want them to go in a darker way, just because the last yeah. time we had a remake of RoboCop, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't satisfied with the happy ending and RoboCop being back with his family and all that. I, nope. I, I, wanted, I wanted my RoboCop full of torment and inner struggle and stuff like that. I didn't want RoboCop to have a happy ending with his family. It was I thought that entire remake sucked. Yeah, from start to finish. I never watched it. I like that. We got a double like the too in that time frame. We also had the fucking Total Recall remake, which was fucking oh. horrendous as well. I think yeah. I erased that. And, and, and we also had Judge Dredd, I think, around the same time as well. No, Judge yeah, you know what? Earlier. That's one of the ones I, I, I like haven't seen either one of the movies. <laughs> what were you saying, Doc? I, I was saying that I liked the kid, the actor that played uh, that played RoboCop in the remake. I never saw the remake, but I liked the actor. Uh, he was the male detective lead in that series, The Killing, uh, which I have seen every episode of and was a fan of. And uh, uh, Joel Kinnaman, I think his name is. Uh, I like him. He's a good actor. And, you know, when I heard he got the role, I was like, all right, that's cool. They're not going with, like, some star, like, current, like, it guy. Uh, but I haven't seen the remake yet, so I really have no comment on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what else do you have, Doc, in terms of horror news? Uh, that even, and I know, and again, I, I want to keep this part brief because we have talked at length about the current uh, situation going on with the Friday the 13th property and all of the lawsuit bullshit, but apparently mm-hmm. the uh, Blumhouse uh, studio is still insistent that they will one day bring Friday the 13th back to the big screen. Uh, From the scripts that have been scrapped that they love to all of this, 
uh, I I don't know. Uh, I am I I'm a huge, obviously huge fan of the Friday the Thirteenth series. This lawsuit stuff going on is just silly. Like, just let it go and move on, man. You know, like now uh, in three different places, I'm seeing news about them wanting to once again. Uh, I'm sorry, not Blumhouse, uh, Platinum Dunes, um, mm. wanting to uh, get Friday the Thirteenth uh, back to the big screen. So. I don't know. I just I, I roll my eyes now when I kind of see Friday the Thirteenth news when it comes to a new big screen film. Yeah, yeah. You, you peaked my hopes there a little bit when you first said Blumhouse, man. Because you know what? I just recently watched Blumhouse's Truth or Dare, and uh, you know I have to say I had a lot of fucking fun with that movie. Really, I'm so worried. I have to say, movie, man. <laughs> I have to stay. That when I was 13 years old, I loved playing Truth or Dare. I French kissed so many girls; it was amazing. And boys. <laughs> if it was a Friday. I don't know. Maybe the games that you were playing. <laughs> hey, you gotta take the dare. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> I, I was playing Battletoads, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were. You, you lie. You you never played you Battletoads. You lying. I have to say, I have to say, you just had the poster. Uh, I was playing. I was playing Truth or Dare one time in Dallas, New Jersey at a party, after party in the basement of this kid's house. And I'm not going to say any names, but I got to go into a private side room with this girl, Kate, to make out, which we did. And uh, this kid, this other kid had like snuck into the room to like try and watch. And <laughs> Whoa. I, I, that was the goal. And uh, <laughs> She was going to, I'm pretty sure she was going to let me, and we were, again, this is worth 13 years old. She was going to let me feel her up under her shirt. And then this kid like popped his head out and was like, ha ha. And like, like no shirt feeling happened. But then like the kid wouldn't fucking get out. We were like, get the, get out, go away. And he was like laughing and he's like, no, no, <laughs> no. And then, then like the time was up. It was like a, you know, like one of those, like go in the seven room for, for seven. Yeah. yeah, but we were playing seven minutes. There. We weren't playing seven minutes in heaven. But, like, the fucking kid wouldn't get the fuck out, and he fucking blew up my fucking spot, and I could have been feeling boobies. I remember that. He didn't happen to have, I can, he didn't have, I have the initials the... PT, did he? No, no, no. Uh, no, no, I didn't even know that, that person yet. This is uh, way okay. before I knew He's that like person. something he would do. <laughs> yeah, no, this was, like, this was like 13, man, 13 years old. Bar Mitzvah after parties. It was the Bar Mitzvah days. I didn't know PT until several years later. Uh-huh. Mm. So, so it was like the whole closet scene in Teen Wolf. <laughs> sort of, in a way. <laughs> it could have been worse, man. He could have he could have switched places with the chick, and you really could have had a shit fucking night, man. <laughs> yeah, well, I did get to French kiss the girl for a while, and I feel like at 13 years old, she was definitely above my pay grade, so I'll take that to the <laughs> bank. <laughs> Everybody's a winner. But, yeah, no, that's... The whole Friday Thirteenth mess, you know. I, I, I know. I think it's going to go on till the end of the year when they actually go back to court Probably. and sort this whole mess out. But it's ridiculous, and just like you know, the docket said, it, it just gets ridiculous after a while because I'm, I'm on YouTube a lot, and every other day there's another YouTube video going Friday Thirteenth case update. I'm like, yeah, how many updates can you fucking have with this thing? You know, of what's going on and the movies moving forward and the game content, because they just talked about how Friday 13th, the killer puzzle game, that's a mobile game, got blocked and now they can't add any new content. So now they're all up in arms about the whole thing. So it's just, it's a mess. And I think the quicker they resolve this thing, the better off we'll all be as uh, Friday 13th franchise fans. 
Yeah. I just want another movie because I'm still not playing the game, so. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently not a lot of other people are right now either. (laughs) Yeah. No. But, you know, a new movie would be nice. You know, I mean, I would love to see if Blumhouse could pick up the property because Blumhouse knocked it out of the park lately with a lot of their films uh, as far as making good horror films. So I'd love to see what Blumhouse could do with it, especially because they just picked up Halloween. If they could pick up another property like Friday 13th, I think, man, they would be the king of uh, horror Mm -hmm. filmmaking. They are definitely uh, putting out some quality stuff, you know. Uh, obviously, you know, again, being digital the way I am with everything, man, you, you see a whole slew of shit as well that comes out from them. Um, they, they do have a lot of uh, films that are not of said quality, but the right. ones that are, are good are fucking really good films. And again, I, I can't recommend fucking Truth or Dare enough. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching that many a time, so... Good-looking girls and a fun movie. Well, and that's like I said about uh, Happy Death Day. That's a Blumhouse release, and I had no expectations mm-hmm. going into it. And I ended up loving it. It's a movie that I still recommend people seek out if they can because it's such a fun movie. It's just, you know, a lot of cute girls, a lot of just, you know, fun kind of 80s slasher throwbacks, and it's just it's worth the time to check it out. And I never thought I would say that about a, a recent release, just like I said last week, The Strangers Pray at Night, you know, but Blumhouse is really killing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, just to, to hit that real quick, I definitely thought I enjoyed the sequel to The Strangers a hell of a lot more than I enjoyed the original film. So, yeah, it's such a, a I fun didn't get to watch it. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, you do because I think you'll enjoy it. I know that uh, the monkey did. So, yeah, it was uh, a fun movie. Yeah, all around, just a fun time. Uh, but what else do you have for us, Doc? Uh, the, just one thing I wanted to mention, and I, I, I feel like we should start a death pool on whether or not he's even still alive by the time they get it. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm only bringing it up because the ghoul had referenced the upcoming fifth movie in the Indiana Jones series. I read today that they shuffled the release date for that shit all the way back now to 2021. Uh, so I feel like there should be a death pool about whether or not Harrison Ford's even still alive by the time they get this one off the ground. Yeah, well, they push it because be. they're gonna put they're gonna put him in the Han Solo sequel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how old is Harrison Ford? I don't think he's that old. We're you know seventy nine. He's really? older than you wow. think, buddy. He's older than you think. Yeah. Years old, man. He is an old dude. I would not have guessed that. Seventy nine years he's old. Got, uh, oh, okay. He's got. He's not. He's uh, seventy five. Seventy five. Okay. Uh, well, seventy. Well, still, that's up there. So seventy five, man. That's that's old as. That's old. That's fucking old to be running around doing <laughs> Indiana Jones shit at seventy-five, and people make fun of Stallone he when he's going back to Rambo. Yeah, you, you yeah, can't be going around stapling your hat to your head when you're seventy-five. <laughs> yeah. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. <laughs> no time for love. But you know, uh, they haven't even started pre-production on this shit yet. Like they haven't even filled. You know, so uh yeah the guy's in good shape and whatever and he's got he's got calista flockhart nice and young keeping him young i'm sure but like uh at what point is it absurd you know like he looked like a like a wooden stiff in the last one and that movie's what 10 years ago already so i can't even imagine is it over i don't i don't don't know that was a fucking horrible piece of shit but uh been put back again to to, uh to 2021 so i sure hope i sure hope mutt comes back 
love to see him. No, but that. even in the last Blade Runner, Runner movie, he just looked frail as hell in that movie. Even though he was still supposed to be badass Decker, he just looked so frail that he wasn't able to like yes, hold you the know, He. I don't he think he was some... supposed to be badass Decker, man. I mean, he was he was an aged <laughs> old guy that used to do the, the job of the character that was going on. I really enjoyed the new Blade Runner movie, and I thought Harrison Ford was fantastic in it. I thought he did a good job playing that role again. Yeah, that's the thing. I haven't seen that one yet, but you know what I was going to say is that before they made Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and obviously, even at that point, Harrison Ford was was in advancing years. Before they were like, all right, let's all like commit to making this movie. They were like, Harrison Ford, go out and do some kind of movie that involves a little bit of action and see how you're feeling and see how you're doing. He made a movie where his family was uh, like taken hostage, and it had to, he worked at like a bank, and it was like computer hackers. And I think that Paul Bettany was the bad guy. And the name of the movie was. The name of the movie is escaping me right now. But it was like, go make this movie, and if you're like feeling spry from this, and you think that we can do this, we'll do the Indiana Jones. So he did that, and then he made the Indiana Jones. And I saw that movie, and the same thing. Like, it looked like the fight scenes were like filmed in slow motion and sped up, wooden and stiff and old. Like it just, it just didn't look right. Like the role that he was playing should have been played by somebody that was 15 years his junior. So to hear today now that this next Indiana Jones, which is way more action involved in that movie I was just talking about, that he's going to be Indiana Jones again, unless they're going to once again try to introduce a younger or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, uh, let, it's another situation where I'm like, just let it go, man. You know, it's just, it's gonna, it's, I feel like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't disagree. You know, I think that if they want to move that character along, they want to move that franchise along, they need to do something similar to like what we're seeing with the Creed series. Um, you know, they definitely fucking were, were banking on LaBeouf. You know, they really, for whatever reason, I don't know if they weren't, if they weren't watching while that movie was being produced or whoever they were focus testing it on. They just weren't listening to them telling them that, no, we don't like this. Um, you know, I think they really were banking on the fact that that kid was going to be the next, you know, the next evolution of the Indiana Jones character. And uh, we, as we see, it, that failed miserably because it just did not miserably. work. And then the kid went oh. crazy. So, so my yeah. The Harrison Ford, uh, just to cut in, the Harrison Ford film I was just talking about was called Firewall. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but it's, it's not even his, it's, it's, no, it's not even his movement. It's just when you watch his facial expressions and stuff like that, it seems like he just doesn't even have the control that he used to have in just his facial acting. And it's just, you know, slump face all the time. Well, paycheck's a paycheck, folks. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's all he's done for now is a paycheck. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, not, it's like he's not even working that. He's not. It's like he's not even working as a dramatic actor. It's like he's not really yeah. in stuff where where he's like a featured uh, performer anymore. Um, he was so, good in the Force Awakens, man. Yeah, no, I I I I, I give him that a hundred percent. I loved seeing him in the Force Awakens, and I really enjoyed the Force Awakens. Uh, mm. I ju- but again, that's, that's <clears throat> Star Wars, that's Raiders of the Lost Ark, and like in, his whole career, in between all of those things, he would be in all kinds of different other movies. Like he was in some huge smash hits, 
uh, in between Witness. his work is Han Solo. Yeah. And Witness is a fantastic movie. I hope you said yeah. that in seriousness. No, but no, I do. He was I also yeah. frantic, working girl. Uh, he played the uh, the Jack Ryan character, um, Air Force One, the fugitive. Yeah. I mean, this guy's got a fucking filmography. Uh, mm-hmm. But I feel like pretty much since King Crystal Skull, it's like he's not really very visible in, in, in any higher profile roles, even if he's not the main lead. He's not even like the second or third lead in a lot of things. So it's just curious to me uh, that they're going to push this back after I feel like they've been talking about trying to make a fifth Indiana Jones movie for the last five years. Oh yeah. If not more since Crystal Skull came out, I know that they've been teasing another Indiana Jones movie, you know, about well, the you I, do apologize. I, I meant to just bring All up that fact was... that not Played a whole Harrison Ford discussion, so I do. Well, this was also in hell because it was owned by Lucas, and you know when the rights got sold over to Disney, that put things on hold as well. Because at first they weren't buying that property, and then they only wanted like specific things from the property. So I know I know that definitely put delays in. I'm sure they wanted to get the movie out a hell of a lot faster, but got held up because you know George decided to uh, to sell. Mm-hmm. All right, so Doc, uh, after the Harrison Ford rant, what else do you have? Uh, and <laughs> was rant. I was—I didn't go on any rant. I was just sharing the fact <laughs> that the movie is back. Uh, have you guys all been, all been following the? Um, you know what? Actually, I'm looking at the clock, and what I have to talk about is not that big a deal. And King, I know you said that you had some things, so I'm going to turn it over to you and, and see what you have going on there. Uh, well, the the one thing I kind of wanted to bring up, since we're all back together, and this is what I've been kind of holding on to close to the chest, is uh, the Predators trailer that came out for the new Predator movie uh, that showed not only the Predators, but also like a mega Predator, like a giant Predator that's going to be hunting the Predators and taking them down. That's going to be the focal point of the movie as it stands right now. Um, but there was an interesting fan theory that I kind of wanted to get a reaction from you guys because I know that you guys have all seen Predator. You're well aware of the property. Uh, but there is a fan theory about the mega Predators they're going to have in the movie that it's going to be incorporating Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, Dutch. And that since they show in the trailer that they're experimenting on Predators and fusing human blood with the Predator blood, that maybe Dutch is going to make an appearance as this mega Predator, half human, half Predator. And apparently it's got legs because the people that are actually behind Predator were on Twitter, and they actually liked one of the uh, Twitter updates from a guy saying, I have a fan theory, this could possibly be Dutch that's playing the Uber Predator in the movie, and apparently they liked it. So it has legs as far as it being possible that it is Dutch from Predator being this uh, ultimate uh, villain in the movie. I wanted to get uh, you guys' thoughts on that. Damn it, and I was hoping he was just going to be the daddy Predator. (laughs) (laughs) Predator, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> it's not a tumor. <laughs> At all. <laughs> she can't Boys see have me. a penis and girls have a vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think about that fan theory? Do you think that it could be possible if they're teasing us with uh, having Dutch be this hybrid predator, you know, soldier? Go ahead, go. I mean, uh, Obviously, I don't think it's a matter of it'll be Dutch. I mean, if anything, yeah, maybe they infused some of his DNA or some of his blood or or whatever into it. 
who knows if the predators did it. I mean, let's let's be realistic here. The idea that we have different factions and sizes of predator we've already seen. So mm-hmm. the fact that it could just be a predator that has no relation to Dutch whatsoever is also very much possible. Oh. And they could just be trying to throw people off by liking things and throwing out comments because they don't want to blow their wad and let everybody know what's happening. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I, if I like the idea of a, a, a human-spliced predator. But mm-hmm. again, if if it comes down to a storyline that makes some fucking semblance of sense and has some good action in it, all right, I'll take it, man. Nothing's ever gonna beat the original Predator. I mean, that's just no. my opinion, and I will hold on to that till the fucking day I die, man. I love that movie. I watched it just like a week or two ago. <laughs> well, what do you think, Doc? I know that you're a huge fan as well of uh, it possibly being a human, you know, Predator hybrid like Dutch, you know, being experimented on. To put it bluntly, I don't care. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's, 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 that's, a, that's is that another one of those. That's my official <laughs> I don't care. Uh, the the predator is another one of those for you know for no specific reason that yes, the original is just fucking fantastic, and I love that movie, and uh, it's just one of those that for no reason I never stuck with. I. I've never even seen the Predator sequel with Danny Glover, and then I've never seen any of the other Predator or Predators or Alien versus Predator. I've seen none of those. It's just something that I never was really caring or interested to go back to. So, yes, Arnold Schwarzenegger played Dutch in the first Predator. The first Predator is awesome. And this is the kind of news. Yeah, I look at the Predator news when I see it, but I really don't care. Uh, it's not something I'm going to see. I haven't watched the trailer. It's really not something that's on my interest radar at this time. Okay. And Monkey, what do you think? All right. Well, either way, if they even go into it, I just want them to go back to the gore that the first movie went to. It's just because it seems like all of the follow-ups after Predator 2 were just getting lighter and lighter, just trying to become more and more PG-13. They need, In my opinion, they need to take the series and go back to being rated R and just go back to lots of gore, lots of blood, and just body pieces all over the place. And they need to get out of the PG-13 area because they want to try and get the kids, you know, in the theaters and just go back and give us a hardcore, you know, horror action movie. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with that, though. I wouldn't consider... I mean, yeah, obviously there were certain scenes in the original film that were gory, the skinned soldiers, you know, fucking Jesse the Body Ventura having a big hole through his body. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, wouldn't, I would never have considered any of that, like, over-the-top gory. Um, I do feel like, you know, I thought the sequel was a different setting, which is why yeah. they kind of went the way they did with it. Um, and I think Alien vs. Predator, I think they knew they were catering to kids at that. That's the kind of film that, you know, they, they, they wanted to put that in a drive-in type of deal. You know, anybody could go see it whenever they wanted to. It was supposed to just be a fun film, um, you know, whether or not. There are people that like it, so I don't want to knock it. I'm not one of them, you know. Like I said, I'm, I'm an original Predator fan. I thought Predator 2 was a solid follow-up. Um, though I didn't really like it at the time. Um, and I thought the, the one that they put out a couple of years ago was kind of fun, you know, in a, in, a, in a weird sort of way. 
Oh, that was uh, Predators with uh, Adrian Brody, I think. Yes, yes. With Danny Trejo's in it. Yeah, he is. I mean, but Danny Trejo's good in anything that he does. So, mm-hmm. and I, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's I'm a huge fan of Predator Two more than Predator One, and I said it on the show before. I love Predator, but I think that Predator Two is my preference when I watch Predator movies. Um, but I would like to see Arnold Schwarzenegger come back to reprise that role of Dutch. You know, I mean, I hope that it's not him as a uh, predator or human hybrid, but I'd love to see the character come back because he did survive. He's one of the few survivors of the predator, and I think that he would be a, a great addition to another movie. Whether or not Arnold Schwarzenegger wants to do it is up for grabs, but if he's willing to do all these Terminator movies, you know, why not go back and do another predator? Just come back, you'll be like, just hide in the mud. Mud. <laughs> Just roll around in the, the mud. They can't Poke see me. Poking with sticks. My eyeballs do not generate heat. There's no heat <laughs> coming from my eyeballs. So I can sit here with mud on my body and my eyes are open. And he does not see the heat. <laughs> Either that or just do a Commando 2. I mean, if I could have another one. Commando 2, let's do it. I would love to see a follow-up to that. What? Nothing but bad one-liners and fucking action. I just want another right. one. I would love to see a Commando 2. I think it can still be done. I don't think no. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Ar- too old Arnold's to do way too old. Yeah, no, he is, dude. Way, way too old to do that, man. <laughs> well, isn't he going to be in the just... new Expendables and shit? Yeah, of course he is. But those are like, you know... You're talking about like multiple character casts. You only have to see him for a couple of minutes. He does a little bit of this, yeah. does a little bit of that, shoots a lot of guns. But no, I mean, Commando, come on, man. He was a fucking one. He was a one-man army in that movie. Hell yeah, it was. That's mm. another one that <laughs> yeah. I have. Like you know, that's that's another one that like I have it on my my Xbox, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put this on, and I'm gonna go to sleep to it tonight. And then you know, a solid two hours later, I'm like, okay, what am I putting on to actually go to bed to? You know, there are those movies that I end up putting on, figuring I'm going to sleep, and then I end up watching the entire fucking thing. Yeah, that's when I could never fall asleep to. It's just so good. I mean, how many times I watch Commando? You know, every time I watch Ray it, I Don Chong. Yep. Oh, so good. Ray Don Chong. That's when she's not being a gargoyle. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Tales from a dark side of movie. But you broke your promise. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it still gets me every time that final segment. <laughs> the big question is though, would you suck those gargoyle titties? You know, like that. that it's, it's tempting. Well, James Remar seemed to like it an awful lot. Yeah, he came back in like, seconds. Mm. Yeah, but I'm talking when she went full transformation. You know what I mean? She had a little bit of gargoyle tit there, and it's like, hmm. Would you still? Would you still tap it? I don't know. I mean, he seems still kind of interested. I don't know. It was that good the first time. Maybe he could see past the whole gargoyle thing and just be like, you know what? Some nice ass tits. Still gonna go like after it. <laughs> we can get free with that tail, baby. You know what, baby? I loved you, but I'm gonna go play Raiden in the fucking terrible Mortal Kombat sequel. So I'll see you around. That was James Remar. <laughs> yeah, he played Raiden in the second movie, Annihilation. Oh man, Ajax. <laughs> He took over for Christopher Lambert, who was just also so great as Raiden. Wow. Yeah, because what we need is Canadian, a Canadian as a Japanese god of lightning. Mm-hmm. Be careful. Oh, yeah, hey there. Oh, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll make my next you know? pick something else from Canada. <laughs> oh, there we go. 
<laughs> sure, it's up there. Sure there's another Watch one what you say. <laughs> Watch what you say. Tread lightly. But, you know, Doc, uh, Highlander. There can only be one. <laughs> yeah. How come they made but, so many sequels? Yeah, Highlander? Yeah, there's a lot of them. Because I am one from many. It's just very deep. <laughs> But, you know, Doc, we do have some extra time uh, to talk about horror news before we hit the movie because it's not a necessarily long movie, Mad Love. So if you do want to talk about that last bit that you had before we get into the movie, you're more than welcome. A whopping hour. (laughs) Hour and seven. (laughs) Hour hour six. Yep. Uh, uh, What did I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. uh, I'm following or looking into this upcoming – the J.J. Abrams, Stephen King, the Castle Rock series. Is you, have you guys been up on that one? Yeah, it's going to be premiering on Hulu soon, isn't it? Uh, yes, it's going to be appearing in Hulu. It's apparently like original story, but kind of has threads running through many different works. Um, I know we haven't really talked about the like concept. It sounds interesting, but I feel like the last time that Hulu tried to tackle a Stephen King property that I watched, uh, they did a really shit job. So um, I don't know how to feel about this one. Was that the 112363? Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I haven't seen that one. I mean, I haven't heard a lot of good things, so I've kind of stayed away from that. But I think was, Castle Rock is going to be good. Yeah, so the, one, I, don't have, the, I don't have Hulu. Well, I really kind of enjoyed the, 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 the book that he did on Kennedy, except for, which I feel like has been his weakness, except for the ending. And, you know, I was like, oh, they're going to make a miniseries. That's pretty cool. And James Franco was in it and everything. But I feel like it was like maybe seven or eight episodes to, to cover it all. And mm-hmm. I just I feel like it was just, I didn't even see, I didn't even get through all of it. I watched maybe the first four and I was like, this isn't even worth watching. So, no, that's a shame. Now, what were you going to say, yeah. Lucky? No, and it's just, you know, I was just going to say, I personally am not a fan of J.J. Abrams just because it seems like every uh, property that he gets his hands on, he is not kind to it. And I just wanted to ask you guys if you think J.J. Abrams could actually handle a Stephen King property. I don't really think it's up to him. I think it's up to the writers. I think it's yeah, it's, it's like from what I understand, it's kind of an original story um, that has loose ties to this Stephen King universe, if I'm correct. And I haven't done yeah, you too much reading about it. Yeah, they they <laughs> said that they want to have this uh, the fictional town of Castle Rock, which is featured in Needless Things and a couple other Stephen King novels. Yeah, several. Yeah, they want to kind of center on this town, but they want to have ties to his other novels, uh, like The Shining, It, Cujo, Pet Cemetery, Christine. So, I mean, that's a heavy palette, though, when you think about it, trying to connect all these threads to this one particular town and tell stories that are going to be effective, uh, whether they're scary or not, you know, needs to be seen. But I think that's a kind of a heavy thing where you're trying to make connections to all these works that he has done, uh, like the ghoul has talked about many times at the Dark Tower series and how they connect all to that central theme of the Dark Tower and all the works connect to that. Um, and we saw the Dark Tower as it came out, and, uh, you know, the ghoul had said it's, it's not that great, but the books are. 
Yeah, to some people. And to others, they, they dislike him. So I know that the, the Doc yeah. tried to, to get into the Tower series and could not. So, yeah, yeah that, that's one of those. I was that, like, I remember when we were talking about that, when we kind of, uh, it might have been right after we read Under the Dome, and we were like, oh, we're like having a moment with Stephen King again. And you were like, oh, you have to read the Dark Tower series. And I was like, all right, why don't you just give me the first book or the first two books and let me start there. And you were so insistent. You were like, no, here's the entire series. And uh, <laughs> then I like read the first, the first one and was like, yeah. I didn't know it was fucking Keanu Reeves all of a sudden. Cool. Whoa. <laughs> no. And then, uh, so, yeah, I ended up with a stack of books on my nightstand, of which I read maybe three quarters of the first one. And then they sat there on my nightstand until I moved. It was right before I moved that I gave them all back to you, I believe. And, I don't think uh, I gave you all of them because I had all of them on me. You only gave me the first two because those are the two that I gave you. And maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe you only did give me the first two, and I'm thinking that you gave me all of them. Maybe my story is, my story is not accurate, and I'm misremembering. That's I probably can't. what's happening. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I remember. Uh, yeah, no, long story. Yeah, everybody just said what. Um, yes, it was why, the thank you. Uh, why, yes, why, thank you, indeed. Well, thank you, cool girl. Um, yeah, that was distracting. Did you just see cats? <laughs> yes, I did. So. Isn't there, like, right. a child so, in the room? No, she's in bed, man. You said, oh, I have to do this show with a child in front of me. I have to watch my language. That was 53 minutes ago. <laughs> it's only it's only six fifty four. Well, you're in California, so time's a little I'm different. Around. I'm just fucking around. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, monkey. I wanted to talk to you, monkey, real quick before we get into the movie. Do you think that they could actually kind of successfully do it with the right writers that connect all these threads of all the Stephen King work to this one particular well, town and have it be something of a good show? Or do you think well, that's kind of impossible? Like making a quality version of. Uh, one of Stephen King's works, which they struggle with. I'm sorry, that question was directed with Monkey. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it's cool. It's just, no, because, again, that's why I was bringing it to you guys, because you said J.J. Abrams is supposed to be involved with this, and it's just, unfortunately for me, everything that J.J. Abrams touches, I do not like. And that's why I was asking you guys if you thought he would be able to pull this off. I enjoyed because, Star Trek. I enjoyed Star yeah, Wars. Did. Um, I can't complain. I mean, did you like the prequels or something, man? Like, well, you really don't like JJ, huh? <laughs> yeah. I I don't. I I didn't. I didn't like the Star Trek movies. I didn't like the new Star Wars movies. I didn't like the uh, GI Joe movie that he did. I I do not like JJ. Well, GI Joe movie sucked anyway. Yeah. yeah, but but it's just the the properties that he touches. I don't. I really dislike what he does with them. I I. And yeah, it's just anytime I see J.J. Abrams tagged on a project, I don't watch it at all anymore. That's why I have. That's why I will not see any more of the Star Wars movies that are coming out now. There's nope. only nope. Nope. there's only been one directed by him so far, and another <laughs> one upcoming. So it's not like they've all been directed by him. Ryan Johnson did the second one, uh, the, the latest one, the Last Jedi, and I don't even know the fuck did Solo, so I haven't seen it yet. But apparently, I mean, a capacity, lot of people didn't see it. 
Yeah, I don't blame them. It fucking didn't look all that great. I mean, I'm sure I'll end up watching it, you know, when it comes out on digital, and I'll be like, oh, I should have went and saw this in the theater. But, um, you know, secretly I'll be happy I didn't spend the money to do that. Um, what capacity is it that Abrams is coming into this project? Is this going to be as, like, a production, or, you know, is he looking to direct a couple episodes? Is he part of the writing team? Like, like do we know anything else besides the fact that he's somewhat attached to it? <clears throat> Uh, as far as I know, he's curating it. I know that he was, you know, he's involved in putting it all together. I don't know if he's going to be directing in the episodes or writing it. I just know that he's in the works of putting it together um, for Hulu. So as far as him writing, uh, I haven't heard anything. Or as far as him directing, I haven't heard anything. I just know that he is one of the driving forces behind it because J.J. Abrams is a name that you know in Hollywood. So if you attach his name to something, I'm like the monkey who doesn't like him. Uh, there are people out there that do like what he puts out. So to have his name kind of be attached to uh, Castle Rock, I think people are going to kind of pay attention to see what comes out of it. I'm going to be paying attention to it because I want to see how they tie everything in, if at all. I mean, are you going to have the Plymouth Fury from Christine just go driving up the road in one episode, and there's your Christine probably. reference? Probably. You, know, you know, probably. Yeah, exactly. You know, are you going to have, you know, a reference to Pet Cemetery? even though that doesn't take place in Castle Rock, that takes place in uh, another place in Maine. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they call everything together. Um, I mean, who you know, knows? It I've could always, end up being like the Friday the 13th series. You okay. Know, which, yeah. you know, in, in, you have this, this town, and maybe these, these loose threads are kind of newsworthy stories that, you know, you, you find out about in the town. You know, maybe there's a car similar to Christine. You know, something to that effect right. where it's, it's a broader um, umbrella of everything, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm looking forward to, just to see how they kind of tie in the classics to Stephen King. And I'd love to see what his involvement would be in <clears throat> Stephen King, if he's going to have any input. Uh, directly or indirectly with the series, you know, oh, he's going to be involved. That's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, well, he'll be counting his money. That's what he'll be doing. <laughs> well, when you look at Under the Dome, that TV series that came out, he was involved with it. You know, he was involved in producing. He was also had a cameo in a couple of the episodes. So, you know, he was invested in that show that went three seasons. But that uh, was Castle Rock, and you know, I'd love to see you know what what else there is uh, for this series as a whole. I mean, I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. I don't know what kind of reception it's going to be, but anything with Stephen King attached, I'll watch. You know, anything that has anything to do with those classic stories, I'm excited. Even the Pet Cemetery remake is coming out next year. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a, a fun watch, you know, to see that story be told again. Mm-hmm. Is that the Pet Cemetery remake in your top 25? What's that? Is the Pet Cemetery remake in your top 25? Yeah, easily. I mean the book. I mean the book-wise, that's my favorite Stephen King book, followed by Under the Dome and uh, Carrie as my top three Stephen King books. Did you say but, Under the uh, Dome? Is it? No, just in all seriousness, did, did you say was it Pet Cemetery Under the Dome and Carrie? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's my top three. You didn't have a massive problem with like the last hundred and fifty to two hundred pages of Under the Dome. You 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 didn't have a problem with the ending. I have a problem with every ending of Stephen King writes. Yeah, he's really bad at making fucking endings, man. <laughs> I've talked about he's it great, so many times on the show. He's great at telling a story. He is great at telling a story. He is not great at wrapping it up. No. <laughs> he's not great at telling... Okay, wait, 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 wait. He's not, uh, and I'm a Stephen King fan. He's not great at telling a story. He's great at developing a world. 
He yes, can sit there yeah, and spend fucking 25 pages <laughs> describing to you what a blade of grass in a field looks like yep. <laughs> and make yeah. you actually see it. He's fantastic at giving yes. you that. I would never say that he's great at telling a tale because a lot of his stories do tend to be a little ebb and flow as far as, you know, the, the overall narrative. And he cannot write a fucking ending to save his life, man. And that's what I should correct myself, Gwen. I appreciate that you said that. That's really what I meant to say, is that he's great at crafting environments. He's great at crafting characters and worlds. But he's just not good in the overall narrative of finishing up these stories. And I'll I've never say really then. I'm going to have yep. to then maybe go back and revisit some older classic King because uh, I feel that reading Under the... And maybe it was because I felt that the first three plus quarters of Under the Dome was spectacular and that the ending was so far away from yep. that that maybe I see it so juxtap- juxtaposed. And uh, that's my thoughts on it. But like, as far as classic King, the most recent one that I read again uh, was Dead Zone. And I like that one all the way through and don't think the ending is weak there. Uh, I haven't read anything classic uh, or reread anything classic in a while. So um, in my box, in my the boxed up, uh, because of the It movie, my students were so turned on to King, I got a whole bunch of used copies of uh, you know some of the classic Stephen King that I would let my students borrow. Um, so I have uh, access uh, right now to, um, at least when I get back to work, I have access to... Uh, all of the classic King books, so maybe I'll have to revisit some of those in the fall and explore the endings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, check them out, you know, because I, I feel like that you'll see that. Um, but going from one classic to another, we're going to go to 1935 to talk about Mad Love, directed by Carl Frund. This is the monkey pick tonight. So, monkey fucking segues, man. You know, you get the best of them, like, well, you know, going from using your hands to reading a book. Uh, We're going well, to talk about a film in which hands represent a man's struggle with himself. Just like Stephen King doesn't know how to write endings, I don't know how to segue. So there we go. <laughs> monkey takes away. <laughs> All right. So this week, the Mad Monkey wants some mad love. Yeah, but this film was released in 1935, and like the King said, directed by Carl Frunge and stars Peter Lorre, Francis Drake, and Colin Clive. From Frankenstein frame. He's alive. Um, He's alive. <laughs> it's but this film is about Dr. Gogol. Yes, like the band Gogol Bordello. If you have not heard them, check them out. You will not be disappointed. But well, Dr. Gogol, it. who is a who is a brilliant and famous surgeon, who becomes obsessed wait, with wasn't, an actress. Wait, 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 wait. Wasn't Mad Love starring? Chris O'Donnell and Drew Barrymore. Chris O'Donnell and Drew Barrymore. You said thirty-five. You said thirty-five. I, I think you said ninety-five. That's when I, I watched the fucking Drew Barrymore movie. I, I watched this Drew Barrymore Chris O'Donnell oh, wow. movie. What are you talking about? He's in right, a horror movie, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <it> yeah. Was. <laughs> that was fucking scary. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, monkey, take it away. Oh, but the famous surgeon who becomes obsessed with an actress who performs at a local theater of horror. Um, but his hopes and dreams are dashed when he learns of her being wed to a world-famous pianist. But on a trip to Paris, the pianist's hands are horribly crushed in a train wreck. Because of his never-ending infatuation with Yvonne, Gogo promises to fix the hands of Stephen. What she doesn't know is that Gogo has a plan to drive the couple apart and Yvonne into his arms. Will it work? 
Well, listen in, Screamings, on tonight's episode of Talking Terror. That's oh, why I chose this show. Jeez, dude. <laughs> yes. We love no, Talking there's Terror. A couple, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of reasons I chose this, man. First of all, I love the old black and white horror movies. It's just, like, for me, it's a way to cleanse the palate, if you will, of all the horror stuff that we as horror hosts watch every day. Um, you know, and this is classic horror, man. It's like, you want to know what a misfit or a horror Billy song is about? Watch some old black and white horror. It's all about this shit. Um, I also just love the whole end product of these older films. It's like, you know, not only was it a completely different filmmaking process, it's like I loved the, the older styles of acting, the costumes, actual studio sets and special effects. Is like I just love all of the feel of it being filmed inside and it being in this nice, clean environment. We get this pretty picture. And these are the films that still inspire movies that are being made today. Like like um, the ghoul said earlier, you know, <laughs> fucking idle hand. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, these movies are getting harder and harder to find. Um, they they really are. And as far as the story's concerned, it's like, how can I p- pick a horror movie about a creepy bald dude who goes crazy over a lady? Come on. Yeah, Why are you calling me creepy? <laughs> what? what? I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm just bald. <laughs> I'm just bald. <laughs> Galicia, I love you. I love you, I tell you. Now, not only did you give out my phone number to our listening audience, but now you're also making bald jokes? I am well, bald, bald, too. Bald. Oh, wait, the monkey's <laughs> bald, too? Yes. Yeah, I, I just thought it was like Shell Silver's he must be he must be embarrassed about it because in every photo I've ever seen of him he's wearing a hat. I wear my baldness proudly shining in the sunlight. It's your it's, uh, no, it's, it's your solar sex panel. Solar <laughs> theater he did not wear a hat, so those pictures are up there in talking terror. You can see the monkey in all his bald <laughs> But And it's beautiful. Uh, it, it's beautiful, bald is beautiful. It's like Doctor Gogo. <laughs> Ghoul, what would you think about Mad Love from 35? Uh, you know me in old movies, man. It's, uh, it's one of those odd ones. Like, I hit a funny point as far as older films go because, you know, you, I know a lot of times you'll pick something, King, and it'll be from, like, the 60s or the 70s, and right. I'll completely fucking hate it. Quack, 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 quack. When, when you bring me back to, like, these, these 30s, you know, these 40s, these are films that I enjoy. Because, mm-hmm. similar to The Monkey here, it's a matter of it being so early in the filmmaking process. Yeah. Acting was so different. The stages, the sets, everything. You know, even if uh, I can look at this film and be like, all right, yeah, obviously, yes, it has inspired a ton of films. This movie could use an update, you know, because it is a, it's, a, it's a timeless type of tale. Um, you know, man falls in love with woman that he can't have. I mean, it's, it's pretty fucking easy, you know, and now you throw a little bit of body horror in there and you got yourself a movie. You know, the Saskatoons yep. should do this, man. Saska sisters. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, but uh, yeah, overall, it's 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 a fun little film. You know, the performances are are what they are. I thought Peter Laurie comes off very much you know, just, just 
creepy. He's very Uncle Fester. He's very just bizarre looking, you know, and that just adds to everything, you know, his demeanor. He, he steals the film. You know, everybody else for me in this movie could have disappeared. It could have been anybody, but he definitely steals the show in this film. Without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, you know, Doc, what did you think about Mad Love from 35? Right up your alley with the surgeon. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my, my thoughts are... <laughs> smooth. Uh, my, my thoughts very much kind of... Like a echo, echo the ghouls on this one. <laughs> you got a pot there. Um, so... <laughs> Um, that's a true, that's a true no. movie. And, 
<laughs> I think you're just making this shit up. <laughs> no, I swear. And, and he I'm becomes a, like a futurist. He was a guitar player, but with his new robot hand, he becomes like a like a keyboard player. And he he has a they give him like a name. He becomes like cy- like Cyber Keys or or Super like Super Keyman. Like he he gets some kind of a name like that to go along with his new robot hand. And uh, no, I'm just he becomes, no, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying that you're that you're coming up with this whole thing that Christina Applegate was in something other than Who Killed the Babysitter. <laughs> well, it's it's Don't I mean, Tell Mom the Babysitter. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter. Uh, who Killed the Babysitter? Oh, crap. And you mean and aside from Married with Children and aside from Anchorman and, and all of that stuff? Because she's had a she's had a, a very well a healthy career. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that made me think of Vibrations. That if you ever get the opportunity to watch Vibrations, I say don't do it. But uh, you know, uh, this one made, made me think of that. So, so, I just so to it share does that not have those good vibrations. No, there's no, no good vibrations here. You don't feel it. This feel is it. kind of vibrations where you look at the screen the and you so absurd you can't even believe what you're watching, and not in a good way either. <laughs> so, King, what did you think of Mad Love? Uh, you know, I remember, Monkey, you had recommended this movie to me a while ago uh, before we were even doing the show as it is now. Uh, because I'm a fan of Peter Lorre. I've seen him in a bunch of things like M, Casablanca, The Maltese Falcon uh, in the 60s when he was working with Vincent Price, where he did uh, The Raven, Comedy of Terrors, Tales of Terror, you know, three great 60s movies with Vincent Price and Peter Lorre that I think everybody should check out. Uh, so I was excited to watch Mad Love for the first time, and I was uh, excited to see it. I knew what I was getting into because it's in the 30s, so I knew it was only going to be about an hour and change long, if that. I know that the 30s movies are not that long, but to watch it now, I think it still holds up as a, a movie from that era. You know, it's still got Peter Lorre as a great doctor and Colin Clive coming off of uh, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein playing Stephen Orlock. It was fantastic to see him in a role that isn't based on Frankenstein. Um, I know that the doc had just talked about... He died two years later, so... From alcoholism and uh, tuberculosis. Yep. So, yeah, no, he did not have a long life. He was only, uh, I think, uh, 37 when he died. Um, and that's mm-hmm. also Ted Healy who was in the movie playing Wade in a row? The reporter. <laughs> yeah, in a row. Um, Ted Healy, who played the reporter Regan, died two years after the movie as well. Uh, he was beaten to death outside of a hotel. So that's another uh, one of those weird deaths. That well, that's, one of, those, that's one of those, like, Hollywood lore they don't really know what exactly happened. He went home, mm-hmm. he was drunk, he died. Yep. And reports came out at a later point saying that, you know, he might have been in an altercation. And then a bunch of different people have all come forward saying, you know, at one point one was like, yeah, I kicked his ass. And then, you know, a couple <laughs> hours later he was like, oh, yeah, no, I just spoke to him harshly. And, uh, and then we left. We shook hands and parted ways. Well, yes, the official <laughs> cause of death for Ted Healy was uh, nephitis which is an infection of the, uh, the kidneys, and alcoholism. So those are the two official causes of death for Ted Healy. The, the whole beating thing, it maybe happened, um, but you know, the ultimate cause of death was the kidney disease and also alcoholism. But overall, you know, I was a huge fan of this movie. I thought that it, it still works today. It's still one of those movies that you could put on, and it's just, it, even though it's in 35, it's in black and white, it's still just a fun movie for what it's worth. I thought that... Every scene I watched, all the performers were doing very much stage performances, which I always appreciate mm-hmm. in the 35 movies, because there's just, it's not necessarily over-the-top acting, but it's very much stage acting, you know, where every line has importance that they deliver, 
And Peter Rory with his thousand you know yard stare and just how obsessed he is with Yvonne, uh, you know, it just it made for a great experience of a movie. Thank you, King. Um, I just want to say th- thank you guys for being so kind to this. Just because I again I really like the Silver Age stuff, and I just want to say, yeah, seriously, thank you all for being so kind to a classic piece of cinema. Well, we appreciate no, the classic. We, 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 we Silver Age. Them. I mean, wouldn't this be considered Golden Age, man? I mean, it's yeah. almost a hundred fucking years mm-hmm. old, man. Yeah, actually, it'll be Golden uh, Age. Actually, it'll be eighty-two years yeah. old tomorrow because it premiered on July twelfth, nineteen thirty-five. Oh, oh well, the sun will come out. <laughs> this will be eighty-two years old tomorrow. So, yeah, this movie officially is yeah. eighty-two tomorrow. I wish I had planned that. <laughs> Yeah, but no. Sometimes the best things are unplanned. I still consider it part of the show. Except for pregnancies. Like giving out a co-host phone number. (laughs) Yeah. I still consider it part of the It's not a worry of mine any longer. (laughs) Because I think the golden age really started in the 40s up until the 50s, and I still think that the silver age was 30s to, you know, mid-30s, so 35. So I think this might be the cutoff. For Silver Age, it's still monochrome horror, which is black and white, but I still mm-hmm. think it is in the realm of Silver Age horror because of that. You know, Dracula just came out in '31 with Frankenstein, uh, and then a couple of years later, you get Mad Love, and then come out in '31 with Peter Lorre. This is his first American speaking role, Peter Lorre, because in M, that's a German movie, but it's in subtitles, and he speaks German throughout the entire film. So it's kind of interesting to see how well he adapted to the English language, you know, and how eloquently he could speak. You know, I mean, Peter Lorre, when you think about him, you think about that voice. Like the ghoul had been doing and I had been doing and the monkey had been doing about the episode. He just has that distinct voice that you know it's Peter Lorre when you're watching a movie. Yeah. Yeah, but my, my, my point is, though, you know, wouldn't this doesn't throw the whole order of things? Like the golden age of comic books, back when Superman first came out and stuff like that, and then the Silver Age was the next age. So wouldn't this, because it's the earlier films, be considered the Golden Age, which is then followed by the Silver Age? Well, Dracula and Frankenstein and the Universal Monsters are considered part of the Silver Age. That's hmm. what you know it's been called as the Silver Age. And I've only discovered that because I did some research into those movies, and they consider that part of the Silver Age of cinema. So that's why I kind of put Mad Love in that kind of same era because it's only a couple of years later in 35 that we get Mad Love. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's I wonder what, what they consider the Golden Age. Um, like I said, I think the Golden Age in Hollywood didn't start until the 40s and into the 50s. I think also the 30s it was considered the Silver Age. And then in the 40s, you know, that's when you start getting some color pictures. You know, still black and white, but you also get some color pictures. And I think that's when it kind of kicked off into the, the Golden Age. Um, but as coming off of yeah, as in colorized yeah. pictures, not colorized like, pictures. Luke, in, Luke who's coming America. to dinner? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, the thing I found interesting about Mad Love is the setting uh, in Paris, because you have the Theater of Duhars, which is a take on the Grand Guignol. Which I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Grand Guignol, but from 1897 until 1963. That was the premier place to go see plays on stage that were basically horror films. People were getting decapitated, people were getting burned, people were getting set on fire, being cut up, all on stage for people to see. So rather than going to the movie theaters to see these movies, because movies really weren't being made yet, 
they would go to the theater and they would watch these horrible acts take place. And it was their form of entertainment. So I kind of loved the good old days of witch hunts. (laughs) (laughs) That was 1891-1892, which is the witch hunts. So this came a couple years later in Paris, 1897. It's when Grand Vigneault opened. But I kind of like the setting. Because when you see the movie first open, you see these people walking around without heads on. You see some people with demon heads on, you know, walking around on these stages. I thought it was just a great setting for the film, kind of setting it in a horror realm. So, and again, it's based on a book, so, I mean, that that's what they're going off of, you know? Yeah, the Hands of Warlock. So, yeah, they're going off of that, the, the Renard book that came out in 1921, The Hands of Warlock, which has been made a couple times including one with Christopher Lee that came out, I think, in uh, the early 40s. They did a remake called The Hands of Warlock, where Christopher Lee played a magician that basically had hands transplanted on himself. So that's a movie worth checking out <laughs> if you ever get a chance. But um, it's, like show, it's like Showgirls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like Showgirls. But the one thing I wanted to, to talk to you guys about is Peter Worre, when you get introduced to him as Dr. Gogol, what I appreciated was the fact that it's such a subtle, um, subtle obsession in a way. It's not really kind of, I need you, I love you, and I want you right now. I'm going to throw you on the table and take you. It's just very subtle because he loves this woman, and he wants to be with her. So it's just very subtle on his part of telling her how much he loves her and how much he wants her. It's not, you know, fanatical to the point where he's trying to kill her. It's just very subtle um, in his performance. I wanted to get what you guys thought about that. Well, I don't know about the subtlety of it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is he's bought the same box for this show that she's performing in, which is a big deal because it's expensive. You know, everybody knows that it's him doing it. You know, like the one, uh, the the one lady, her housemate or whatever says. You know, the same person keeps buying that box. You know, they're they're definitely going to be known. I think this is something that actually really resonates to to, 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 to to today still, in which you have an obsessive fan. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. really know her. He doesn't really interact no. with her. He watches her performances on stage. He looks at her wax figurine, you know, which is just her pretending to be wax, um, right. which I thought was kind of fun. You know, I thought that was just, just fun <laughs> yeah. to do because when they, whenever they did show her as the little statue, it looked fake. Um, so I did like when they did the close-ups and it was actually the actress, mm-hmm. um, though you could see her moving and breathing. Uh, yep. but, uh, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, what starts as an obsession is what leads to him, you know, devolving into madness. I mean, we see a similar film in the movie Fear, you know, later with Mark Wahlberg, who we brought up a little bit earlier. I love um, that movie. Come on, Mr. Walker. <laughs> Let me into the same house. But, but, yeah, I don't know if I'd call it subtle as much as it's just, you know, again, it's it's obsessive, which is, you know, he's he's creepy right from the fucking start, man. He's just just an odd dude. I did like the drunk guy at the beginning, though. He was funny. Where he's trying, they're trying to feel up the statue. He's trying to feel up the wax statue, and and Gogo's just smacking his hands away, going, "No, <laughs> don't you touch can't her. touch her. Yeah. Not for you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he actually ends up buying that statue to put in his house, you know, I just appreciated that little fact. Yeah, but know? yeah, we yeah we all know why he bought that statue. <laughs> oh yeah, you know he was cranking it. <laughs> you know, looking at that statue. I'm going to get four his... holes instead of three. <laughs> there's, one, there's a couple spots in that statue that are just worn out. Good thing it's wax. 
<laughs> parts yeah. of the statue that are that are stuck together. Is that what they mean by wax lips? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I like the fact that he kept calling the statue of Galadia, uh, which is uh, Greek mythology, because Galadia was a wax that was uh, an ivory statue built by Pygmalion. So at one point in the movie where he does say, you know, Galadia, you know, you were made from Pygmalion. And she, you know, ends up coming to life in the Greek mythology story. And you end up seeing it here as well. So I kind of like the fact that they incorporated Greek mythology into the story as well uh, to kind of add that point home. That He was so obsessed with his actress, with the statue, that when you see what happens at the end happen, it's kind of like that story coming to life all on its own. Yeah, and, and I think it follows up on the whole idea of his character being a doctor, being an important doctor, you know, which does make the, the turn interesting because, I mean, the fact of the matter is this guy, as we find out, he's done some great things. He helps children. He helps veterans, you know, from, from World War One at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he does this work at no cost in a lot of in a lot of the times. We see that with the young girl that he's going to, to fix, um, even though the mother's hiding like a fucking fancy diamond ring, you know, which I thought was funny. Uh, <laughs> reminds me of my home warranty customers who want everything for fucking free, 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 free. Meanwhile, they got fucking Mercedes Benzes and shit like that out in the driveway. It's like, yeah, you no, it's why they got Mercedes Benzes. <laughs> like I said, they can suck my balls. Um, but, you know, the whole... The whole God complex, you know, mm-hmm. is where I think that story of the whole Pygmalion and Galatea and all of that comes into play. Because like he even says later on in the film, you know, I'm not a God. But, you know, at the point of finally hitting madness, you know, he believes that maybe he possibly is. He's starting to manipulate things throughout the film, you know, almost like what we'll see, you know, in, in a later film, Clash of the Titans, when we're watching the gods work the, the clay figures to, to make things that happen on Earth occur. Um, yeah. You know, he's manipulating events as if, you know, he is a godlike figure. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about, too, is that in the story you have Rollo the knife thrower, which I love Rollo. He gets such a limited time that you get with this character, but it's just this Brooklyn, New York guy, you know, being charged with murder. He's going to be executed by guillotine in Paris. And the seconds that you get with him on the train, when when the one guy's trying to get the autograph from him, he's like, hey, Belly, how you doing? All right, yeah, I'm famous. Hey, I know how to throw a knife. Hey, you know, very much that speed-talking 1935 Brooklyn type. I love the fact that they had that in there. And what I found interesting is that that actor who played Rollo also played one of the Rollo brothers in Freak in 1932, the Todd Browning film. So kind of odd that he plays Rollo the knife thrower in this movie, but in Freaks he played one of the twin brother acrobats of part of the Rollo brothers in Freaks. Hmm. Yeah. It's probably a nod to the character. Sorry, God, I'm <laughs> No, it's cool. No, I was going to say I really enjoyed his character as well. It's like I really wanted to see more of him just because he really struck me as, like, uh, the character Babyface in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Um, yes. Uh, just, you know, bad guy, but he's really fun to be on screen. And, I, you know, just the way he was talking to everyone, even, you know, right before the guillotine was getting ready to come down, you know, he was all like, oh, I guess this is my time, guys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Get that one cigarette. Gotta go, guys. So 
Uh, you know, Doc, what did you think about Rawa the knife thrower? You know, as limited as that character was, it's important because you get to see that his body is kind of dissected and taken apart, you know, for people. But, you know, I just like the fact that they included that character, not just having them as body parts. Well, I mean, the character was there and had that skill to uh, to be body parts. Um, sure, he was an interesting character, but I feel like he was certainly there to, to help move the story forward, to tie into what was going to happen with those body parts later in the story. So, I mean, sure, it was an entertaining character, uh, but it wasn't like you can just have some guy walking down the street that was minding his own business doing nothing and use his hands. Oh, yeah. You, you have to have that aspect where he is a murderer, and that's why his hands are going to be used, and that's why he decided to know to, to donate them. But again, like the monkey had said, that is part of Gogol's plan is to kind of transplant these hands onto Stephen after the train crash. And I thought that was kind of brilliant on his own part, that not only is he a brilliant surgeon that could do this, but he has ulterior motives. Whether or not he knew that this is what would happen when Stephen got the hands transplanted onto his wrists or not, I thought it was kind of a, a cool kind of character aspect that he did that. I don't know what you guys thought about that. I, I thought it was kind of brilliant on that part. It wasn't so much the surgery that I found um, you know, his plan and whatnot, like the ghoul had mentioned earlier, he does all this work for ch- almost charity. But yeah. when we see him do the surgery here, he's fucking milking it and charging her out the fucking ass to where oh, yeah. we have this th- this whole, you know, we have a small montage of her selling everything just to pay for all the shit that Gogol's charging her for the surgery just because he wants to make them broke as shit is what I was thinking. Sorry, Google. What were you going to say? No, I don't think it was so much that he was charging. He was charging her. I think it was just because he kind of explains it. He's like, he's going to need this. He's going to need that for different like, therapies and whatnot. Like, I know when I had my back surgery, you know, not everything got tied back to the doctor that did my surgeon. You know, after that, I had physical therapy. You know, I right. had fucking treatments and stuff like that that all got done with different doctors. So, you know, I mean, something like a, a hand transplant, obviously back then that was, you know, that's, I mean, still to this day that doesn't always fucking work, you know, so it was a, a, a risky operation, you know, I think he, uh, again, I think this is one of those in which it was like one part, he wanted to do it to impress her, but on the mm-hmm. other part too, the character being who he is, wanted to do it because he thought he could. You know, and again, it was just yet another thing to prove to himself in a way. Like, oh my, I am this genius. I can fucking do this, you know. She believes in me, so I can do it. Yeah, and that's a great point that you do bring up, uh, Ghoul. Because he does say in that one scene after he's come out of surgery, you know, he says there's going to be therapy. There's going to be all these different things. It's not necessarily with him as part of being the one that's charging them. But he says it's going to be expensive. He's like, this is going to be very expensive for you guys. But I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say that was my mis- that that was my mistake because I I thought he was the one doing all of the re you know um all all of the therapy as well. That, that that's why I was thinking. That. No, it, but he did say it's going to be expensive, and she said you know it just the yeah. cost doesn't really matter as long as he gets his hands back because he is like the monkey had said a, a famous pianist. So he needs to get back to work. He needs to start making he's money. He's a famous again. penis? Yeah, he's a famous penis. <laughs> yeah. He's got a famous, yeah. he's got a famous <laughs> penis. 
That's why it's called Mad Love. Oh, yeah. But as you see, when he gets the hands transplanted onto his wrists, he can no longer play the piano like he could. Like He just doesn't really know how, and he doesn't know why he can't play the piano that well anymore. But he discovers that he's a really good knife thrower. He put gorilla-sized hands on the fucking guy. He did. Um, but that's the next question I wanted to direct to the doc. Uh, Colin Clive, who plays Stephen Orlock, like I had said in my description of what I thought about it, he's famous for playing Dr. Henry Frankenstein and Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. In this movie, he's almost kind of a throwaway. I mean, he's important to the plot because he is the husband of Yvonne, but you know, as a character, he's one that I just didn't care much for. You know, he wasn't somebody I was following as much as Gogo and Yvonne. Well, because the story was about Gogo and Yvonne, you know, uh, even in a movie like this where you don't have a huge cast, it's not like every single character is going to be great and so memorable. Right. Like, he was there to serve a purpose. His purpose was the obstacle. Uh, his, mm-hmm. his purpose was the roadblock um, for, uh, for the doc to... to be able to be successful not only at medicine but also at love. So I don't feel that you necessarily needed such a <laughs> such a important, memorable uh, character in that part because the story truly uh, was about the infatuation. Well, the one thing so I would you... argue with that though is that the original story actually did focus on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. His character was the focal point, whereas this, because it was a vehicle for Peter Lorre, this was his first American film, um, you know, his first Hollywood movie. So, you know, the whole idea was, all right, you know, Frankenstein was a big thing. We've got another movie here where, you know, we've got a, a maniacal <clears throat> type of doctor. We're going to put the focus on that character, on that love story, instead of actually going the way of focusing on the character who had the hand transplant. Which I think is the better way to go than to focus on Stephen Orlock the entire time. Because when they do focus on him post-surgery, when they're going broke and he goes to his father to kind of ask for money, and the father's like, yeah, I know, you had your chance. You had your chance to be in this company, and you turned it down because you wanted to play the piano. You're not going to get a dollar out of me. You know, that scene, it felt like it was just added. It kind of felt like they were just padding it because they needed to have this scene in there to show him begging for money, but it wasn't necessary. But obviously, it's for the character's importance. Well, it's there, too, because of the whole idea that you got to show him a, a rage. Plus, the Rolo character killed his father, so you got to kind of uh-huh. have that match point as well, you know, but... Yeah, you know, you you could have been a jeweler. You could have been a a, a real man here. Yeah, jeweler, jeweler. Instead, you wanted to be a, a little queer and go play a piano. Get the hell out of my shop. Well, I'm going to throw this knife real fast. Throws it right through <laughs> the window. And just throws his, t- his tantrum and walks out of the store and mm. sees the knife in the, the store window. You know, and that's... Mm. But like you had said, Rollo killed his father, and ostensibly Henry Orlock, the father of Steve, ends up getting killed. And that leads to Stephen thinking that he did it because he was killed. And these hands, these hands that I have, they're killers, you know, and I'm the one to blame, obviously. Strong hands. And it doesn't help that Gogo tells me that I did it either. Because Peter Lorre's like, yes, you did it. Stephen, oh, my goodness, what did you do? Oh, no. (laughs) You did it. You you killed him with your hands because you're, you're psychotic. You're crazy. 
dude, okay, all of this, though, all of these other characters, all this fantastic shit, man, you know what I did really, really love, man, was the fact that you had, in a real small bit fucking part, Dr. Wong, who is the yep. old man from Gremlins. Yep, that is the old man from Gremlins. <laughs> Hard to believe. And he was a strong, strapping young lad in Mad Love. But it was, yeah, I actually had to do that research. But, yeah, he is. I don't know if you guys knew that either. Uh, I did Doc. not. Go- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> as soon as I saw the name come up in the credits, I was like, holy shit, because I know there was Key Luke who was in that, and I believe he's related to Key Luke Kwan, um, who uh, I think is Data, if I remember right. Oh, yeah, from Goonies. Yeah, I think so. I think they are the, their family. So I think they are related. But, yeah, that was a cool little bit. Aren't because they long all? Is no, just kidding. Character. Sorry, that, just, sorry for the racist humor. Okay. <laughs> No, but while we have our bit characters and whatnot, at home, taking care of the wax doll is like a character I really enjoy in the movie is the housekeeper. It's like, do you right. guys like... <laughs> she, she seemed like she was ready to party all the time, man. <laughs> oh, especially when Riggin comes to ask the questions and he's just giving her bottles of alcohol. And says, yep. You should see what he's doing to it out there. He's giving it anal. And the fact that she had that big bird just flying around all the time on her, <laughs> on her, you know, on her shoulder and just flying around in different parts. It's like, yeah, love the fact that they had the maid in there playing this drunk. And I love the fact that it's also set in Paris, but yet nobody has a Parisian accent. Everybody has an English accent. Oh, she or American. A Cockney accent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She had the Cockney accent, but Peter Lorre German, so he's got the German aspect to his accent. But nobody had a Parisian accent in this entire movie. Well, they say, but they say earlier in the film too that it's a foreign name. What uh, Marie or whatever her name is, her her maid or whatever. She's like Kogel, foreign name, uh, probably a nasty man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that you know, and, and he is, but it's just. You know, it kind of amps up, you know, and I, I like the scene where Steven gets the note to go to this one address at a certain time and everything's going to be revealed to him. And sitting in this apartment is who he thinks is Rollo, back from the dead. He's got his head transplanted onto another body. I, this fucking effect, I don't know what you guys thought, but I really <clears throat> loved it with the steel brace on the neck and the robotic hands for 35. I thought it was so advanced for its time to have this kind of costume uh, that we find out that's actually Gogol. But I loved it. I was like, this is 35? Like, it's so advanced to have these I can't believe he had the Infinity Gauntlet already. I mean, jeez. <laughs> right? Thanos fucking 18 movies <laughs> to get that Thanos? shit. But, yeah, it's, uh, but it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when you get the reveal. You don't know yet that it's actually Gogol, but at the same time, you kind of get the feeling <laughs> that it is. With the robotic <laughs> hands on, and the... the well, for a 30s audience, they probably didn't know that it was Gogol yet, you know, but still, with the sunglasses on and the top hat, you know, for me, it was a great effect. I don't know what you guys thought, but for me, I thought that it was the greatest kind of effect in the movie. That, it's me, Rolo. It's definitely <laughs> not Dr. Gogol. Yeah. It's Rolo. <laughs> Dr. Gogol transplanted my head onto another body. <laughs> And my accent totally changed. No, but, <laughs> yeah. no, but I just love the accent. 
<laughs> but I just loved the act, uh, not the accent, just the shot. It's like the the image alone is like a perfect still shot from this movie of just yeah. the the creepiness that you're gonna get in this film. And yeah, I Absolutely. just loved the costume. The the brace that was pushing up his face, so it got like his teeth got pushed up and his mouth got pushed up, so his teeth were kind of showing. Um, the robotic hands, like I thought, was a great effect because you could see how they moved and operated, kind of like Terminator hands. Um, you know, Doc, you know, being the demonic doctor that you are, what do you think about this effect of Gogol dressing up as Rollo? Did you think it was medically accurate? I'm sure he did. It looked like I mean, some of, some of the medical uh, facts there were, were not entirely accurate. They might have been accurate to the time, but I'm also not an expert in medicine of 19, the early 1930s. Oh, well, I thought you were, but, but what did you think about the effect for a, a film made in 1935? I felt like that was pretty advanced. The fact how they Yeah, I off. mean, look, uh, you know, like, like I said at the start, you know, like, it's cool to go back and look at some horror from this time. It was a, it was a cool effect for 1935. Um, I don't really, to be honest, I don't really know much about other movies from 1935 to have anything to compare it to. Uh, if that was something that was I don't know if groundbreaking is the right word or a new effect or something everyone else was doing, uh, but it, it was cool. It was convincing. We were making, um, we were making yeah. robots everywhere. I think it definitely, uh, I mean, the one thing, again, for me, visually, this was definitely the effect of the film. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure the other argument could be the look of the train crash scene. Um, yeah. You know, which which was was cool in its own, own right as well, but uh, yeah, no, I love the visual style of this. I can see influences, you know, that came after this. You know, I can easily see Darth Vader in this costume right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see a lot of robotic style villains that easily came off of this. A lot of Doctor Who villains and shit like that too. Yeah, yeah. Lost yeah. Children. <laughs> yeah. It's just it was such a great effect, and and it worked in the scene. But what I appreciated was when Gogol goes back home and he's completely snapped at this point. He's just going, hee, 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 hee. oh, he believes me. Hee, hee, hee. I'm going to destroy their lives. Hee, 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 hee. Just laughing and taking off the brace and taking off the metallic hand. And meanwhile, you have Ivan who snuck into his house, watching him just laughing with glee over the fact that he just basically set up Stephen for murder. And he's like, yes. Oh yes, I'm gonna get everything I wanted more. Yes, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, it's the master villain revealing his plan to himself, you know, and this laughter of a fit of glee. He's not drunk, but yet he's just drunk on the fact that he, he's gonna have this guy sent to jail, and he's gonna have Avon all to himself. And I, I just loved how it played out because now you have Avon trapped in this place with Gogo laughing to himself, and now she has to take the place of the statue that she broke. Because of, of being scared by a bird. It was a good thing she was playing the statue the whole time anyway. Exactly. Oh, so, my yeah, God, I'm broken. Yeah. And Galatia, Galatia, yes, yes. And then when she comes alive, he's like, yes, Pygmalion, she's come to life. I could finally have sex with her and she can move. Yes, no more her just laying still. Like, just the fact that she just realizes how fucked she is in this situation, I thought it was a great yeah. way to, to wrap it up. Well, I think it's also one of those where it's like, all right, you know, he, he gets caught monologuing, 
you know, because that's basically yep. what happens. He decides that he's going to just sit there and speak out loud and spill fucking the entire plot Everything. that he developed here. Um, to, to no one in general. And then, of course, he gets in there and he starts talking to the fucking, to, to what he thinks is the wax, you know, dummy. Um, but as it is, yes, he's definitely hit that point of madness. We see that. But I think once he sees her alive, I feel like that broke him. Like his brain just completely fucking shattered at that point because that must have been like, oh, fuck, man. I figured he was going to try to kill her just because he would have looked at that as being like, what the fuck did I do? Oh, my God. (laughs) But the fact that he had that line, too, where she was bleeding because of the bird. And he goes, oh, the wax, it bleeds. Like, you know, like it's so realistic to him that the wax is bleeding from this cut that she has on her cheek, but it's actually her. Um, I love it when he starts going after her and he pushes her down onto the couch and he uses her own hair to strangle her. Like, kind of, of, this is his, his final act. Like, you know, he's going to strangle her to death with her own hair. Like, you know, pinky as shit. That's Dr. Gogol. He's into some pinky shit. I mean, he needed to try to fucking pick, put little Gogo in there at least, you know, if you're going to do it, man. You know, no, but the whole donkey punch and all that. No, but this is exactly why you got to establish a safety word. Before you start doing the kinky shit, you got to establish a safety word. Ghoul, you know this. Galadia, that's the <laughs> safety word. Galatia. <laughs> no, Galatia, no, you know, I'll be honest, like, we, we've had you. a couple safety words, and I, I, we always kind of forget what they are because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I think when you're when you're at a certain point with your partner, you kind of know your limits, you know, you know what you can do, what you can't do, or how much you can do, and sometimes you just say fuck it and do it anyway, um, which is where where Gogol was at this point, but again, I mean, at the very least, he he should have tried to bang the fucking thing. Well, I think he was so far gone at that point that he wasn't even thinking about that from a sexual standpoint, I just think he was just thinking about death, you know, and that's why he wanted was love. But with this movie, um, this was during the Hayes Code, which is the production code that got set in 1934, and which meant that you couldn't really show nudity, you couldn't really show sex, you couldn't really have a lot of vulgarity, you couldn't have a lot of violence, and every movie had to have a happy ending. You could not have a bad ending to a movie. You could not have the villain win. You could not have, you know, a sad ending to this film, which is why, in a way, you have what you have with the police arriving with Stephen, seeing her being choked by Dr. Gogol, and Stephen using his knife-throwing skills with his hands to ultimately take out Dr. Gogol, which I felt was kind of sad because I like Dr. Gogol. I kind of felt Gogol loves happy endings. Well, of course. Who doesn't? But, Doc, what do you think about uh, the ending? Many, Many a happy ending. Sure. So, Doc, what do you think about the ending? Do you think that it was right that Dr. Gogol ended up getting killed, or do you think that you would rather have seen him live on for another day? Oh, you're too big. Look, man, you know, that's, that's Hollywood in 1935, man. You know, like, that's, I guess, totally what was expected to happen. Uh, I'm not sitting there watching this, and, and for this is the first time I've seen it. I'm not sitting there watching it going, oh, man, I wish he survived to have another adventure or to stalk someone else you know i just feel like when it comes to movies from this time like that that's and, and even in this time in most cases that's just what happens at the end of movies 
<laughs> Damn it. I wanted like seven other fucking sequels to this, like the Saw series. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> but it makes you wonder if he actually would have killed uh, Yvonne. You know, if he actually would have strangled her to death or if he would have stopped at a certain point. You know, he would have killed her because he didn't think she was real. That's true. Yeah, he was so broken at that point. That, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. That He just thought that that was a statue. He didn't think that it was actually a bond. And I had no problem with him dying at the end. It was just the, the sudden abruptness of it, of just one shot to the back. Uh, I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> you know, just you know. The end, uh, Dr. Go-Go. Oh, yeah, my darling. Like, you know, the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then you bring on the happy you know, music, and everybody comes out and starts singing the song. <laughs> you know, this is the end of the I want to show you my crucial head. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, it was so, the Hayes Code era, 35, so you have to have Gogol get killed. Even though realistically he probably could have survived that because he just got stabbed once in the lower back. Pretty sure he probably could have survived that. It was but, right you know, in my liver. <laughs> yeah. the he was a marksman. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was because he had Rollo's hands, but um, ultimately that's what you get. And it's, you know, an hour and seven minute movie, so you get what you get with the ending. It did feel rushed to me in a lot of ways, but at the same time when I was watching it, I was like, well, we're at an hour and five, so there's only a couple minutes left. How are they going to wrap this up? It's still going, but nope, there it is. Golga gets stabbed. <laughs> End movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I'm dead. If you like me in this movie, wait until you see what else I have coming up. <laughs> you know, um, and that's what uh, the one thing I want to close out with. The one thing I want to close out with, as we we talk about the ghoul sticker next week, the trailer for Mad Love is something I wish that you guys would check out because the trailer uh, it shows highlights from the movie, but it also has a segment in the beginning of the trailer where Francis Drake, who plays Yvonne, calls Peter Lorre at home, who's sitting in his house, and she talks to him about how much she is a fan of him and how much she loves M and how much he looks forward to seeing this new feature that they're going to be starring in. He goes, oh, thank you so much. Yes, I think this is going to be the new big hit. It's called Mad Love. And then all of a sudden they go into the footage of the movie. And I was like, it's such a cute little trailer. The fact that Yvonne is kind of taking on the Gogo role, going, I'm such a big fan, Peter Lorre. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. Yes, I think it's going to be a good movie we're going to be in. And then they go right into the trailer. So if you get a chance, check out the trailer. Now, one thing that we do skip, did skip over during this conversation, too, is because we're making it sound like Yvonne was really an innocent in this whole thing. And but, you know, she did, she did use him to do the surgery, yeah. and, she admits, and she admits as much later. She preyed yeah. on the fact that, you know, he had the feelings that he had. You know, she knew that he did. She knew that, you know, he was, you know, whatever. You want to call it love. You want to call it obsession. Whatever you want to say it was. And she knew by asking him that he would be willing to do that surgery to begin with. So, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe for me I would have preferred the ending in which her and him died, you know, and let fucking, at that point, let Stephen throw himself out the window. And boom, we got a nice wrapped-up ending there. Nice and dark. Well, and it is true because when he comes home after Stephen was involved in that crash and had take his body there, he's like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, this is a private clinic. Like, you can't just bring people here. And they're like, no, she said specifically to bring him here. And he goes, oh, Yvonne, okay. Well, I guess I'll have to do whatever I can, you know, because it's Yvonne. So that is a good point that you bring him. (laughs) uh, So, Ghoul, it is your pick next week. What do you have for us? 
I would have to say I will apologize right now because I don't have one yet. Um, I am thinking. What the fuck? I know, man, <laughs> but you know what? I've been busy fucking working, not getting to, you know, think about what film I was going to do. I totally forgot that it was even my pick, man. Um, I'm thinking uh, I, I uh, don't don't lock me in on it, but I'm thinking we may visit the 90s. Um, with a little film, kind of fun, called Brain Scan, but I am not 100% Ooh. on that yet. That could be a good pick if you decide to go with it. I'm a big fan of Brain Scan. Frank Langella, Eddie Furlong. Oh, man, there's so much fun in that movie. So I, I kind of hope that you do pick it, but if you don't, you know, we'll go in a different direction. But if you do pick Brain Scan, I think that'll make a fun episode because that's, there's a lot to talk about with that movie. But uh, so that'll be it's definitely um, a good possibility. Again, I mean, between the so, uh, you know, we've brought up Terminator Two, and we've brought up Pet Cemetery. You know, he was in both. So, all right. Pet so, so, yes, I know he was in Pet Cemetery Two. Bad <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that's for the plug. Uh, cool. What do you got? Uh, you know, you know what rolls around here, man. If you got a fucking girlfriend, boyfriend, a dog, wax, a cat, wax statue, wax figurine that you think might come alive someday and you really really want to impress it then you need to go to bonfire beat designs and buy some fucking shit because it's beautiful jewelry for your man your woman or your wax put it on your dick because that's what I do put it on my penis it feels so good when I rub it on it Reality is yes. Go to Etsy, man. Go to Bonfire Beat Designs. All one word. Um, the Facebook page uh, is there as well. Again, Bonfire Beat Designs, and she's got all kinds of interesting jewelry for the love, the mad love in your life. Excellent, excellent. And Doc, thank you and for joining us for this episode. I can't wait to feel the good vibrations later on. Yes. <laughs> she's a vibrate in my rectum. No, but like the but like the ghoul was saying. Also, if you, if you love them, then go ahead and treat them like Doctor Google. Go, go visit Bonfire Beats and spend a month's worth of salary on the thing that you love. It doesn't matter if you can't pay your bills. Buy that jewelry, people. Please. <laughs> okay, so you know, Monkey, why don't you sign us off with uh, your own special way? Tonight's episode was unofficially brought to you by Pops Blue Ribbon, and remember. Always establish a safety word. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in next week for, for more frights and sounds of Talking Terror. Good night, everyone. <laughs> and as for me, we'll see you next week. We'll put up the pick for the ghoul on the Facebook page, as always, on Monday. So stay tuned for that, whether it's Brain Scan or another film. We'll let you know. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate every single one of you that tunes in, whether you're live, whether you download our episodes. We appreciate the feedback on our Facebook page. We appreciate the support. Thank you so much, guys. And until next we meet, keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Stay hard. I mean, stay scared. (laughs) Always stay hard. But if you can't stay hard, stay scared. But if you want to stay scared and stay hard, you can do both. Pretty sure you could probably do both. Nothing better than a fear boner. That's right. Nothing better than a fear boner. I've had many of them in my time. I don't measure them, but I know I have. What, Both. fear or a boner? <laughs> Both. Don't measure the fear or the boner. Just have them. <laughs> All right. Good night, folks. We'll see you next time.